Hey, it's good to be with you here. My name is Gary Wilkerson, and this is Gary Wilkerson Podcast. I'm here with Matt and Deanne Ward. Uh, thank you guys for coming in and spending some time with us today. Uh, let me tell our friends that are listening a little bit about you guys. Uh, Matt and Deanne uh, have been involved in ministry and in missions for many, many years. We met each other when we were teenagers, really, in, in a little town called Lindale, Texas, where there's a whole bunch of ministries going on. My father, David Wilkerson, was there. You guys, second chapter of Acts, had, a, had your own headquarters, ministry headquarters there, Keith Green, Leonard Ravenhill, Youth of the Mission, another group called Copy Force. You remember Copy Force? Dallas Home and Praise. Dallas Home and Praise. Yeah. Uh, but Matt, you were the voice of the of the of the age uh, of the ages. Uh, incredible, incredible musician and singer. And Deanne, you come from. Uh, some people know uh, Matt, and, and maybe not as familiar, but you come from a ministry family as well. Weren't your family involved in missions? They, and, uh, they served our community for years. I learned a lot about serving, which is why I went into ministry. Yeah. By watching my parents, my dad would uh, go down to the inner city and play basketball and take donuts and take milk and then do Bible study and just kind of hung out and, yeah. yeah. Fourth generation charismaniac. Pictures Fourth of my, generation. Wow. Yeah, pictures of my great grandparents, <laughs> black and whites, hands in yeah, the air. In the fifties. Wow. Yeah. They're all just in Bible, Bible study, study in their you know, Bible study in their house. Yeah. Oh, cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well, Same neat. as you, Assembly of God. Yeah. You know. Okay. Right. Summer camp. You grew up in the church. Awanas. Yeah. Christian schools. Wow. Yeah, we have a lot in common. You have three. You have three daughters at this time. You have three, yes. three girls. And um, what were your what were your daughters like growing up? Crazy little creatures. They were really fun. Uh, it's been funny to watch them over the years change. Uh, my youngest daughter, Maddie, who was not just an outside animal. She loved, she reminded me of, of me at her age. Always outside, ride her bike everywhere, climbing trees. She'd be like, I'd be somewhere in the backyard and we, had like, we were on a slight hill. I was on a deck on the second story one day. And I hear, I hear this voice, hi, Dad. And I'm like, what in the world? I, I can't find her. She was in the front yard up in a tree eye level with me so she was 35 feet in the air mm -hmm. this little kid just like swinging off these and i'm like just stay right there sweetheart stay right there, <laughs> right there. <laughs> deanne would you come get her uh, uh, honey could yeah so but she was always and then and, and when she got older she totally flipped i mean she like hated to be outside hated to go camping didn't want to go fishing just hated all that but when she was a kid she loved it so i don't know uh, something yeah. switched in her Texas uh, is warm outside. Colorado's cool. It's cold. <laughs> yeah, stayed inside. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, Morgan, our middle daughter. Wow. You know, I, I don't even know what to. She was always adventurous ish. The peacemaker. But she was the peacemaker. Yeah. She would try to. She was the middleborn. You know, definitely, and tried to, tried to make things better and and. Uh, figure and very things observant out. and aware of everything, yeah. wow. and felt things very deeply, even young. Yeah. So. Yeah. I watched her do all the things that, as a dad, I didn't want her to do, but she did anyway. You know, like, just different things. And but, um, yeah, no, she's uh, you know. And then my oldest daughter was she was the she grew up the super conservative Bible thumper. You know, she had five boys. Uh, the the last one, I guess, I'd never heard of such a thing, but uh, caused her to have. Um, what do they call it? Uh, oh, hormonal, hormonally induced bipolar, mm. and we can get into that. That's a whole nother, yeah, whole nother story. But yeah. all the girls are musical. Yeah, all the girl. I mean, we just had a lot of fun as a family with yeah. them growing up. Vacation with you and your kids. Yeah, so you yeah. know, we, we spent uh, like almost a whole month together in uh, Hilton Head. That was yeah, a blast. that was a blast. Yeah, yeah we had such such fun. 
Um, Blockbuster. Yeah. And so, Ashley carrying Annie on his shoulders. Uh-huh. You yeah, know. Our son. Yeah. 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 The, um, so just, you know, kind of continuing this theme is the hard, maybe the hardest part of, of our time here together. Um, you know, obviously because it's easier to talk about things that happened 20 years ago than things that happened last year. Um, but but this, this trajectory of your guys' life of amazing success in ministry and relationships and your guys' marriage, but yet, you know, your daughter, um, she, she started experiencing after this, probably because maybe after her fifth child, the uh, bipolar, she started kind of finding herself in some difficult situations, a lot like my son uh, with, uh, you know, uh, well, all of my kids, you know, whether it be drugs or alcohol and stuff like that. So she started having some, some difficulties. Is that, I don't know if, yeah, you don't have start- to talk about it if you don't want to. I mean, I just. No, you know. she, um, Megan, so Megan passed away in December is when we found out. 33. At 33 years old. And she and her husband had been divorced. They divorced in August. But she had struggled from the time probably she got pregnant with number five. Um, just didn't seem herself, seem more tired. Now she, up until that point, I call her Wonder Woman. Right. You know, yeah. she, five boys, she homeschooled, her. she was the worship leader. She had, he was a, he's in the Air Force. So his squadron would come over and she would host them and do dinners. She just did it so well for 12 years. Yeah. And then it was like, she just hit the wall and couldn't go anymore. Yeah. I mean, it happened quick, she crashed quick. And she, she was passed doing a away. Lot, yeah, she was doing a lot on her own. I, you know, as you she watch was. her life, you know, with this, raising five kids, or yeah. you know, obviously a military type person has gone probably quite a bit, yeah. and um, that's a lot of weight on on somebody. And um, yeah, so uh, she started. Um, she start well. She had abused alcohol for a while. We now know, but she drank a lot, a lot. She had physical issues. She had a gallbladder taken out after the fourth baby. She had liver issues, kidney issues. March 2017, she was in the hospital for 10 days. Mm-hmm. Now, you've had back surgery. You've had cancer. People have heart surgery. They're out in a couple. So that was my first flag was that she was seriously physically ill. But why, I didn't know, or what the outcome was going to be, I didn't know. Yeah. But I believe her physical body was just shutting down right. from tiredness, five boys, and she was drinking. And then she continued to drink, so she went. She's went went to several rehabs and some sober livings, and they were divorced. And she moved into an apartment here in Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. And it was just, yeah, you don't. I, you know, you've mentioned your kids. We have other friends that have kids. If you put all of our friend friends together for the last 20 years, and there's five couples and there's 20 kids, Megan would not have made the top 10 list. No. Was not even. In what way? What do you mean? Of somebody who would that you'd be struggle concerned with about. alcohol or right. pass away at right. 33. Yeah. That just, I mean. Be the least likely. Yeah. yeah. That right. was what yeah. I was getting at when yeah. I said I do have things in my life where I, I do say, why me? Okay. This doesn't make any sense. I don't get it, God. Right. That Megan's passing and the way she passed by herself in her apartment, I can't get past that. Yeah. Can't do it. Yeah. And uh, I don't get it. Uh I, it's all the woulda, coulda, shouldas, you know. I mean, what I did do didn't work, obviously. She's not with us. So you play those games. Like, well, maybe I should have. Well, you know, what if we. Yeah. You know, uh, it was it was hard on us. It's, that's one of is. our, that's our biggest thing right now as a couple is just, God, if we could, ju- could have just been able to do this for her. Because we weren't at a place where we could really do much. Right. More than what we were doing. Right. Oh, so no. You guys made it mean, hard. You know, I mean, Kelly and my wife, Kelly and I, we watched you guys. Just time after time, just doing everything, you know, loving. And I was just on um, 
we just one of our previous podcasts on with the director of uh, uh, the president of Global Teen Challenge, yeah. and I was so encouraged because you know because we've had the addictions in our family and the, and the troubles and you know didn't know whether or not we'd get that phone call and our son had overdosed and stuff and so. You know, uh, and one of the things that, that Jerry Nance was saying was, and it blessed me, it was like that, you know, a lot of those who come through Teen Challenge, young 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 adults, have had, you know, abusive upbringings, uh, neglect, divorce. But he says about 15% of them come from these amazing, loving, tender God. And it felt so good. It was almost like, you know, because for, for a long time I think I'd felt uh, guilty, like, there must be some unknown thing I don't know about my life, my family, my upbringing. Some what is, way, it, about, some what is way it about me that's that, causing my children right. not to succeed? Yeah. And right? I was so, yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 What did I do that's wrong? Right. And, and I was so encouraged by this guy that knows more than anybody probably in the world. Yeah. Um, saying like about 15% of the time you can't put your finger on anything. You know, and and so and as I look at your guys' life, I mean, you know, obviously we look back and say, like I said, woulda, coulda, shoulda. Yeah. I, I have hundreds of things oh, I would yeah. do different with with my kids, yeah. bringing them up. But but what parent doesn't? Right. Right. And and you know, and so the you know, but but you felt, I don't know. It's, uh, I wish I could form this question better, but like, what what have you been feeling in the last? Because it's been what nine months now. Yeah. Nine months. I can well it backed up before that. I can tell you okay. one of the things that was new for us because you know you know the word says a house divided cannot stand so a lot of times in the church or any denomination it's like you have to be on the same page and we were not on the same page the last six months of megan's life because i text her i went out to lunch with her she showed up in my office (coughs) sometimes put together and sometimes not and his conversation with Megan was when you stay sober for 90 days we can resume our relationship yeah, I was doing the tough love thing and he did the just, tough love thing she was just doing the, any kind of love that she could give her right. yeah. and because we took a different approach yeah. we were not a house divided I gave him the freedom to make his decision. Right. He gave me the freedom to make my decision. Yeah. And I think we don't allow Christians to do that. Right. I don't have to agree with him but I supported that and he supported mine. And that was probably the best thing because I think if I would have, at that point, if I would have forced him to do lunch with her and she would have shown up drunk, he would have been mad at me, mad at her, frustrated again. And if he would have said, sweetie, until she's sober, you just can't, that would have paralyzed me. So we all, we have to give friends, siblings, spouses, trust that they're mature enough to hear God for themselves, which they all are, yeah. and allow them the freedom to do what God calls them to do. That's really in those resi- In those relationships. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. And that was, that was a huge one that last year to realize we're not going to be on the same page, yeah. and that's okay. That's not a negative. Right. He had his road with her, and I had mine. Yeah. And I don't, I wish I would have done more. I, but you just, those are the, that's the one thing. You, I get up every day. And you've been through stuff. I get up every this first time in years. I get up and I'm like, okay, what day is it? What month is it? Mm. It's still just a it's, it's like a fog. Yeah, your head spinning. Yeah. You know, yeah. But I and then I get up and I choose. I choose to trust God today mm-hmm. because right now it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It doesn't. And I think for for me, one of the things that I'm grappling with and starting to process a bit more. I've done a few concerts since Megan's passing, not much, and I've spoken about, I think I've done three or four concerts, four. <coughs> and at all of them, I've talked about Megan's passing and mm-hmm. stuff, and then I've talked a little bit about, at least in my view, and I think it's accurate, uh, it just seems like the church has got to like 
it's got to, you know, it's got to pull its, you know, clothes on or think differently because part of Megan's problem and the way that she wasn't really able to process her illness and all that was because she had well-meaning Christians around her that said, well, you know, or you don't need to take those mm. those drugs to help you with your problems upstairs in your head. Just, just, trust, just trust Jesus. Mm-hmm. He'll, you know, and oh, of course, I, I believe I've seen it. I've prayed for people. I've talked to you about that before. Prayed for people that were terminally ill yeah. and God healed them instantly. Yeah. Right before my eyes, like holy cow. So I know God can do it. Yeah. I don't know that was C.S. Lewis is saying. I don't know why he doesn't sometimes and does other times. Mm-hmm. Don't know. But um, but my thing is, man, the church needs to grow up and and we need to stop putting these false weights on people with their faith and all this stuff. I believe God has put doctors on this planet. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I I think they do call it practicing medicine for a reason because they're they're all just practicing, but. I think it's important for us to seek help when we need it and not just turn a blind eye and like, oh, you know, we just believe that it's all going to be good. Well, you know, for Megan, it, it wasn't all better. And she had people that were talking her out of taking <coughs> things that I think probably could have and should have helped her. Right. And yeah. so I'm a little mad about that. Yeah. You know, I've had right, some really right good counselors. So. Yeah. Um, Dr. Tim Clinton, you know him, uh-huh. and other people that I know that They've spent years researching this and years looking into it. And I think the thing that just keeps coming back to mind right now is that she was shamed. She was shamed from getting help, shamed from acknowledging her stuff. And now we carry that. Like, good parents don't bury kids. Yeah. But I did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, What did we do wrong? What what, what could we have done differently or better? I think you're spot on with the shame keeping somebody from being healed. Yeah. Yeah. Because shame... Uh, the very thing you need to be healed is vulnerability to, to, to go to a group of trusted people and say, uh, you know, and, and usually it can't be our parents because there's a different dynamic in that region, right. but, a, but a close friend or two that you can go to and say, here's what I'm suffering. Here's the pain. And that's why, you know, that's why things like AA are so powerful to celebrate recovery yeah. uh, because, you know, you get in a group setting and you open up your heart because yeah. you know, there's support there. Yeah, yeah there's support. Right. And, 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 and the vulnerability is the very thing that, that, uh, dismisses the shame it gets you know shame so the shame stays there and then that you know somebody who has you know is struggling with any kind of addiction shame is the thing that is, is probably the, the like the log on the fire it's, right. it's, it's, the, it's the fuel it's the coal and the and that uh so so you know that's i think you're absolutely right that, that uh you know if we could have a culture in the church where you could openly say things and not get you know, either that sort of Sunday schoolish kind of like, uh, oh, believe this verse, or or the opposite of the withdrawal, or right. you know, uh, our friend Nate Larkin who uh, has talked uh, on this podcast before, and we've we've had conversations with him about the shame he had when he was addicted to pornography. He would tell his pastor about that, and we get like shamed. Next next week's sermon would be on men who are struggling <laughs> with pornography and how they don't belong in the church, and it's just like shame was you know much worse than. Then, and, that, and that just drives the addictions and the, and the pain and the sorrows that make us need something to cover up the pain even worse. And so that's, I'm really sorry that she went through that. And I know she didn't get that at home because you guys, I, I've been in your home a lot and it is a shame-free environment. You guys, you know, you, and 
out of all the Christians I know in the world, you are the most yourself of anybody I've ever met. And, I can, <laughs> and that's what I like about you guys. It's because I'm in a lot of Christian homes and you know you travel a lot and you get invited over for a meal or whatever. And, and there's this, sometimes you feel like you're in this place of pretense, like everybody's like happy and everybody's, you know, everybody knows. Got like, to put how, on that certain face for yeah, this certain group of people. Right, and then when yeah. they're not there, then you can hang out with your friends, take the mask off. Uh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you are yourselves and that's, so your kids kids grew up in that environment. Well, you know, in in you guys telling the story, I mean, I, I, I didn't tell this to you before we met here today. Um, you know, because I've asked you to like, probably for the last three or four months, been asking like, are you ready yet? Do you want to tell your story? Like, uh, and then you started yeah. telling your story when you go sing places and stuff. Like that. Are you ready yet to t- tell your story? Because I think the story needs to be heard because there's so many people that are you know maybe are asking the why question or. Are afraid to ask the why questions so they're not being open and you guys are telling your story so powerfully but but the reason i want to do it sooner rather than later is because there's something about our our vulnerability and our telling our story that that in in the church world we seem to think we have to wait until we have it all resolved and i kind of really wanted to get you yeah, guys this is here. what we found right yeah here's the here's the answer and now here's a, and i just wanted you guys to be in here and and be able to say it's like we don't have it all resolved we, we don't have it all figured out i don't know why and to, and be able to say that's okay that's right. like you don't have to have it resolved we're not gonna we see through a glass darkly so we're not gonna have all the answers right, right. now uh, but we want we you know the uh, gk chesterton says that w- what we want is to wake up every morning and have a general at the foot of our bed saying get up and do this and do that right. and go here and what we get is uh jesus at the foot of our bed saying once upon a time uh, and, and what he was saying is, uh, God tells him, reveals himself to us much more in story uh, as it unfolds, not in commands like today you will do this and you will be better and you will feel this. It, it's like, and we. Re- but what we really want is to somebody say, here's what happened and here's why and here's that now. Now I want you to feel this way about it, and that usually doesn't happen. It's once upon a time, yeah. we had a little girl, and then that little girl, you know, had five beautiful children, and then she had a. You know, this season and then and the story is like we're wait you know can you tell us the next chapter now because we want to know more well about there's a co- we did we finally we said yes to the doing this because we realized we're never going to we're never going to be okay hmm. yeah i don't think we'll ever get it together yeah, yeah. and that's okay that's okay right but yeah. you know there's a scripture that you know but where, where where else can we go? You have the words of life, life. right? Yeah. Wherever that is. Yeah. Was it one of the disciples said that? Yes. Yeah, oh, was it the shoe that. salesman dude? Or the, <laughs> yeah. the guy that made the suitcases? The I can't remember. The 13th one of the disciple. Days. That was the 13th mentioned. disciple. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Gluteus. <laughs> Gluteus Maximus. <laughs> yes. He was very famous. Yeah. Anyway, so. Yeah. But yeah, where else would we go? I mean, that, and yeah. I don't say that just like. Like we throw scriptures around, like no, again, feeling like we were talking about. But that that has meaning to me because I I have seen enough pain and enough hurt and enough uh, of me trying to redirect those things when I realize I, I can't put them anywhere profitable except at the feet of Christ. Yeah, good. That's good the only place, like those things that I don't understand. Yeah. It doesn't mean I'm, I, I'm resolved with it, but I'm letting him bear that weight. Yeah. Because I know, I know that he knows I can't do it. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah. And, and uh, so I encourage people that if they're they're dealing with mental problems, physical problems, whatever, get help. You know, addiction, yeah. addiction problems, uh, and addiction can be anything: food, drugs, yeah. pornography, whatever it is. Gambling. I mean, I, I had a friend that was 
totally addicted to gambling. Yeah, I mean, stuff it's a weird life, thing yeah. that it just ruined them, yeah. you know, in a lot of ways. Yeah. And um, but just seek out help. There's people out there that that have a lot more brains than I do. Yeah. We know. tell people all the time, everybody's got their stuff. Yeah. Yeah. If we just realize he's got stuff, I've got stuff, you've yeah. got stuff, quit hiding it quit and hiding just it. Yeah. put it at the feet of Jesus. Yeah. See, well, you've said at his concert, he said, if you're in, if you have addiction, if you're in a marriage that you're being shamed, if you, he just kind of went through a list of things and he said, find new friends, mm-hmm. find a new church, and if you're the person shaming that person, shame on you. Yeah. You know, that's that's just not. Yeah, if we could. If we don't have the answers, tell them, I don't have the answers for you, but I'm here for you. Yeah. A lot of times people just want to be heard. That'd be great. Yeah. I, I, can, I, I, have a, I imagine a church you know, where people can come in and say, I'm struggling with this. I, I have doubts. I, and totally, like, there's not like, oh, you know, you're ostracized or like a, a sense or of bullying. Or they don't sit down and go, well. Yeah, right. You know, yeah, the, you know what the church has become? Yeah. Yeah. The workplace is the new church. Okay, People yeah. at work are much more open mm-hmm. with their coworkers. They yeah. they confide in each other. They help each other. They are there for one another. Yeah. To me, I see that's the new church. Yeah. It's the workplace because they're real there. Yeah. They don't walk in like you said. These are the four walls. We've got it all together. We're yeah. going to keep it together here. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing because I believe the church needs to go outside the walls. Right. But it should also be able to be safe inside those yeah, walls. Yeah, that would be that would be a huge win for church in America. I think yeah. particularly is to, to 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 create a culture of of um, love. I mean, yeah. I, I know I know we easy to throw that term out love, but but you know love yeah. when when you when you define it in the First Corinthians thirteen bears all things, believes right. all things, hopes all things. You know that's different than judgmentalism, uh, condemnation, Keeps shame. No record of wrongs. No record. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's an interesting church. That that would be that would be that'd be. A, I haven't been to that church yet. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, you know, and and and, and yeah, it's, it, yeah, it has to do with leadership, I think, and it has to do with the culture that you create. From and I, I think that kind of stuff comes from top down. If you don't have a vulnerable pastor, uh, if you have a pastor who's still telling stories, or like I sinned when I was eleven, you know, that's you know, it's not going to get anywhere. But if they, you know, we've like, all like, known those guys. Uh, huh? Yeah, I've yeah, never cussed. Right. Yeah, <laughs> but, to, but to hear the stuff, the real stuff of, of today. So my last question for you guys is: is this um, um, picture? If you, I'm going to ask both you guys this to answer this independently. Um, we don't have phones here, but just say somebody's calling right now and just say, uh, you know, my daughter has cancer. Um, my son's marriage is falling apart. Uh, my teenager is addicted. Um, my daughter's on in, 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 you know, on her deathbed right now. My mom is passing away or my mom just died. Like, cause just picture one that type of call coming in. You're taking two or three in a row. Uh, is your, where does your mind go? I don't want you guys have answers because we're talking about we don't have answers. But but what I would you say? What would you say to somebody who's who's suffering? Well, see, like, I don't, I don't you know lot? what I would say. Okay. Um, but I, what I have done before, and I've seen the Lord show up, is when I've talked to somebody that had a specific thing, I'll say, God, what what do you? I I pray for them in my own mind, not out loud to them. But I'll say, God, what do you have for me to give them that's from you? What do you have? So it's not a cookie cutter answer. It's no, uh, so it's I specific. Like it's not. The and a lot of times, I'll, I will feel like, well, you need to go to you know your church. You need to talk to these people. I have all have specific things, or I will just pray for them, mm-hmm. or yeah. both. Yeah. And um, so I think it, it depends on the scenario and 
I think it depends on what God yeah. gives you for that person. Great answer, man. He's so creative. He's so spontaneous. Wow. He's so right now. Yeah. That's. I think that's what most Christians in the West, especially, don't accredit anything toward God with is the fact that he is the God of not only the past and the future, but right now. He's the yeah. God of right now. Yeah. He can make stuff happen right now. He can call into being things that are not. Yeah, yeah. And he can do it right now. Right now. Mm. That's powerful. I love that because I know you enough to know you have sound doctrine. You're a good theologian in your mind, we, yeah. and yet you're not answering that question like a lot of us would intellectually. Here's my theological answer to your suffering. You're doing it through Real a relationship. Time. Like now, God, you're here. You're here. They're there. We're talking. Be present what do, what and br- bring yeah. bring healing and, and healing. Even, you know, it's like all of us would love healing more like uh, – prayed for our daughter or son they made yeah. it through yeah. right but, but what does healing look like when they hadn't made it through and you've suffered the loss of someone whether it be like you with your parents or your daughter um, you know that's a whole nother challenge then okay what does God do healing now in that you know so I'm almost like to hear you this is weird this is weird like call yourself and then yeah. Pray for yourself. Ask God, <laughs> what, is it, what is God saying to Matthew about what he's had to go through? So, Deanne, what do you, what do you, where's your mind go with that? For me, it's been a 12-month process because about this time a year ago was when Megan, I saw, okay, there's a definite break. Their divorce was final. She's living on her own. And I can see the new struggles that she's having. So I'd pray for every night, and mm. I just, I'd just i get to the point where it's like, okay, there's no words. So you just say, Jesus, yeah. Jesus, Jesus. Wow. Then when we wouldn't hear from her, it would be that. And then when she passed and I couldn't pray, that would be what I would say. And, you know, you can take it a step further. It says, you know, call upon the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. I can be saved from an abusive marriage. Mm. Call upon the name of the Lord and save me from this addiction. Mm. Call upon the name, just say the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And you say it till you see a breakthrough, till you see an answer. Mm-hmm. And some of those times, those answers come in relationships. Find somebody who's been through what you've been through. Yeah. And if you've been through hard stuff, be available. Mm-hmm. We want to hide and we don't want to talk about it, yeah. but that's not going to help anybody else. Right. Am I, is it going to make somebody, is it going to take the pain? Kay Warren was in town and she was talking with us. Does her talking to us take away our pain? No. Hmm. Does us talking to her about Matthew's passing? No. But we understand each other with words that can't be spoken right. from similar hmm. situations. Hmm. Wow. Well, thank you for talking about this today. I think it's going to help a lot of people listening because there's not one that's untouched by pain, sorrow, and suffering. We don't we yeah. don't live in this world and, and escape that. And, and um, the questions you guys have asked, why? And so um, <clears throat> I did say that was the last question, but I do have one more. The... Uh, <laughs> uh, so nine months now, any, like, so there's this pale of, like, this weight of the the, the pain and the difficult, this, this presses down, like, seeds of joy at all, like, the moments and glimpses of, like, okay, you know, say there's life and I feel good, and there's, is there some of that kind of come through where you actually feel good? Well, you know, this is going to sound really weird. I was on my deck the other day. A friend of ours gave us this wind chime. And whenever I hear it, I think of Megan. Mm. I'm not saying, like, she speaks to me in the wind, the voice (laughs) of the chimes. But so the wind picked up, and it chimed. And I thought of Megan, and the first thing out of my mouth was, forgive me. Mm. 
And I felt like she said, Dad, I forgive you mm. for, all, for whatever. Right. Whatever I could have done, didn't do, should have done. Yeah. Um, I, I just I felt like yeah. she had offered that to me. Wow. Not, and I'm not saying, you know, no, I, I, I didn't, I you know, there's yeah. not demons no. in the lampshades. Right. I'm not saying no. that, but even though there could be probably, yeah. I've seen a few. But, um, I can tell you've been around the church a long time because you have to qualify every statement you make now. Well, yeah, because somebody cause online some is going to say, like, well, no. you believe in so this. So then you, that, you're, yeah. a, you're, you're, you're a dispensationalist. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. no, but but the heart of it, you, you know, it's it's a little bit sad that we have to do that yeah. because because the heart of your story is you you yeah. you have this, something's going on in your heart where you feel, there's a piece that yeah, the, the Holy Spirit is allowing you to have. pieces of it, you know. Pieces of peace. Yeah, pieces of peace. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll be praying for you guys. And I'd ask for the people that are listening to this to maybe just take uh, – sometimes on this podcast we ask our guests to pray for those who are out there. But I'm going to do the reverse. I'm going to ask whoever's listening to this to take a moment just right now to yes. put the thing on pause and pray for you guys. And, and um, you know, believe that God's got uh, he's got you. He's he's there with you in it, and you can love the fact that you can still say, "It is well, yeah. it is well with my soul." When sorrows like sea billows roll, roll. I was gonna say pour, but they roll. <laughs> they roll. They Whatever's pour, my lot, you have taught me to say, see, "It is as well. well." It is. It well. is. And well you know what? Soul. Throughout the day, there's times where it's not. Yeah. yeah. There's times where it's okay, and then there's days where it's well, and there's days where it's not. It doesn't. We live in a fallen, broken world. It's not like something you obtain and then it stays. It's something you have to hold on to and choose to hold on to. The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and supporting.